Hey, so before we get started on this podcast, I just wanted to ask you if you have found any value, any value at all in this podcast in any of the episodes, and you could take a quick 15 seconds, just pause this right now and take 15 seconds to leave a review, leave a star rating, whether it's five stars, whatever you believe that it is, and leave a review on Apple, on the podcast app, anywhere that you can leave a review for the podcast, that would be amazing be so so great and and I know it's a lot to ask to say hey take 15 seconds to go do this but it means a lot and it's not so for the downloads or anything but when people are scrolling through podcasts and they see a podcast with a thousand ratings a thousand reviews it's like a restaurant you'll see with all those stars all those reviews and you'll want to go eat there same thing with a podcast you'll want to listen So that'll help a lot of people that might be struggling or might not know where they're going in life to be able to come to this podcast and and learn from the amazing guests that we're able to bring on this. So I would greatly appreciate it if you do that. And I will absolutely give you a shout out in a podcast for sure. So thank you. Thank you very much. My whole life I've been running after one thing To find that part within that'll measure up to something I've got a lot of dreams, but I was told I wasn't practical I couldn't measure up because of all my flaws But I know the wrong is the only stepping stones Life's the art of embracing these things, yeah. Bo Eason, welcome to The Art Of And we are titling this podcast The Art Of Being the Best at what you do. So uh, the the funny thing is, is a lot of people will be the best at something, but this is literally being the best at being the best. But thank you for coming on this podcast, man. You are incredible. And the audience is about to find out why. (laughs) You're welcome, David. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. So start us off with a bang before we get into the nitty gritty. Start us off with something that that maybe not too many people know about you. Something different about Bo Eason. Um, well, the thing that makes my family scatter away from me Here you go. is um, watching a, a athletic event with me, um, <laughs> only because I <laughs> and I don't normally one. share this. I do share that I pr- I really train all the people that I work with, including my kids, that we're players, not fans, because I just think our whole culture is really good at turning us into fans. So we yeah. watch their stuff. Well, I always tell my kids, we are not fans of anybody. My my son, when he was little, got to work with um, you know NFL quarterbacks. He his uncle is a Super Bowl quarterback, so he works with him. He's worked with Kobe Bryant um, before wow. Kobe passed. Wow. And every time my lecture to my son, who was a little boy at the time, was like. We are not fans. There's no pictures to be taken. There's no autographs. You are a peer. You are a player. So everybody knows I always talk about that. But what they don't know is that I will, I don't watch a lot of sports uh, since I retired, but the ones I do watch, like say the Super Bowl or NBA Finals, I don't watch it like a fan. I actually am kind of crazy in that I think I'm playing, <laughs> right? Like literally, I know it sounds nuts to, <laughs> to people, but I actually think I can help the team win. And I'm watching it on TV. Can you imagine this? <laughs> I can imagine. So I, have to, I have to talk to my therapist. I have to talk to my therapist like once a week just to get through this, right? Because, uh, <laughs> but see. I do. I. Like, if I'm watching the Super Bowl, all I'm doing is 
figuring out how to win in the last minute of the game. No matter what the score is, no matter what, and and you know what, David? I always figure it out. I I never not figured it out. Uh, I know how to win because I know how to figure out the rhythms of the games that I, you know, uh, of competition. And so my family, it is just not fun for them. It's, they, there's, you know, we're not eating bean dip. We're not like cheering going like this. Oh, I love Tom Brady. I'm like, I am freaking Tom Brady. I, I'm going to figure this out. You know I mean? Man, Bo, so, I love that, it. I, I that's something I never share. I'm glad you shared that. First off, I love the point of not being a fan of anybody. That Looking at them, everybody is a person. Such a great teaching point. And I can only imagine what checkers games or Monopoly or whatever board games you guys play at your house. I can only imagine how competitive those get. Yes. I'll tell you how competitive they are, David. (laughs) They're so competitive that we don't play games. (laughs) (laughs) We don't play. We don't play games. Like I always, there's, if you ever follow Stephen Pressfield, he wrote a book called The War of Art and he's my favorite author. He's like, well, second to you, David, um, now that you're a new author. Um, but he is just like an old school, legit ass writer. And I love him. And he has this book called The War of Art. And he says one thing in there. He says, amateurs play for fun. Pros play for keeps. And so mm. we don't play checkers. Cause that we're going to throw the board and the pieces it's for keeps. So we only enter games that are life and death. You know, we enter games that we are going to win and the, and the, the opposition isn't necessarily going to be friends afterwards. <laughs> Man, you know what I would love to pitch? I would love to pitch a show kind of like family feud, but it's like competitive things like survivor. So we got the Eason family over here and you're just, dominating the nurse family of me and my wife and my puppy. I can see it now. Oh, man, this is great. Okay, so your story is incredible, all right? And I won't be able to do it justice by bringing it and telling every little piece of it. So I want to fast forward to when you walked on at UC Davis, all right? And you can just play the Mm. picture here because you've had so many life pivots. It's amazing. And we're going to talk about those. But but go back to the moment when you're at UC Davis when literally – you were not even able to get on the field in the craziness of, of just making your way onto, basically forcing your way onto the team, Bo, and you eventually end up in the NFL. Yeah. This is just, this is nuts. This is nuts. It is nuts. And the only reason I did it, I'm going to pull something up here right now because I've got my, I've got notes sitting in front of me and awesome. I just want to show you guys something. So I wouldn't be as crazy if I didn't do this. Uh, you, I would be like a normal dude, right? and probably nicer and probably more get invited to more parties if I was, if I didn't do what I'm about to show you. So this is my, I'm going to put this up for the camera. This is my 20 year plan, right? That I drew up when in 1969. That's incredible. So I was, I was nine years old. I drew up a plan to be the best safety in the world. Safety is a position in football. I wanted to be the best safety in the world since I was nine. So I made a 20-year plan. I followed the 20-year plan. So I, you know, I, I played in high school. I thought I was pretty good, but zero colleges recruited me. Like no one wrote me a letter. No one wrote my brother a letter. 
right? And my brother ended up being a first round pick and I ended up being a second round pick. So how could this be? But like no one, no one wanted us. So I invited myself to UC Davis because they didn't have scholarships and they, they just played football basically for fun. It was like an intramural sport almost. So I said to myself, 350 colleges in the United States play football and not one wants me. So imagine that, guys. Imagine the worst college football team you could possibly imagine. <laughs> Didn't even write me a letter. Didn't even want me. But my dream, you guys, this is, the, this is what I wanted, I'd love to impart on you today. This little piece of paper is my little declaration of independence. And this little sucker is, is you know, it's over 50 years old. So my dream said in 20 years, I was to be the best safety in the world. The everyone else said no, including family members, right? Including friends, including coaches, including 350 colleges said that's not possible given your size, given your speed, given your whatever. Um, so I go to UC Davis, right? I just, it was, it was, wasn't far from my house. I went there. I recruited myself there. Um, they gave me a uniform, right? I went out, I got to practice, right? After one practice, they sent me home. They said, no, no, you're, you're never play here. Uh, give us that uniform back. Um, and you go away, you go home. You can go to school at UC Davis, but you're not going to be playing football here. So I showed them my dream. I showed the equipment managers my dream. I said, look, I, I have a dream. I'm supposed to be the best safety in the world. I got like four or five more years to, to make that true. Um, you got to help me. You got to give me a uniform. You got to give me a practice uniform. I got to practice because I got a dream and I don't care what you say and I don't care what the coaches say, I got to be on the field because who needs more practice than me? Me, because I got a big dream. So they said, they thought it was cute, David. I mean, they thought it was funny. You know, and I was, a, I was 145 pounds at the time, so they gave me a uniform, but the uniform didn't match the rest of the team. It was like an old relic, I think that Jim Thorpe may have worn back in the day. It was so old, didn't fit. It was a different color than the rest of the team. I didn't care. I, I put it on, I ran out. I practiced. For a month straight, I practiced. Everybody's laughing at me. All the upperclassmen are like, who is this freshman? What is this goofy dude doing with that uniform? He's never going to play. A month goes by. Our first game, my mom and dad are coming to the game, right? They, they, they think I'm on the team. They don't even know I'm not because I've been practicing, right? So... I don't have a game, a game uniform. They don't have enough uniforms, right? This was the back in the day. This was in uh, this was 1979. So they had, uh, you know, 99 numbers and I wasn't one of them. So they gave me a duplicate number. I talked them into it, the equipment managers of our best player, <laughs> the captain of our team, right? They gave me the same exact number as him. It was a JV number. Again, David, it was a different shade of blue. It was different colored pants. I had this helmet that didn't fit but all i needed to do for myself was show up and sit on the bench and stay out of the way of the real players so my mom and dad could see me just so i can survive another day or another week at uc davis i couldn't explain to my mom and dad that i was not on this team you know i couldn't do it so that was my game plan so they did it. They gave me the unmatching stuff. I run out with a hundred other guys. I blend in. I sit on the bench. I wave to my mom and dad in the crowd. And I watch this game. So we're kicking this team's butt like 34 nothing. I think we're playing, I don't know, Chico State or somebody like that. Just giving them a butt whipping, you know? 
and I'm sitting there on the bench. I'm looking up at the scoreboard. I'm looking up at my parents in the, in the, in the crowd. I'm like, I got to get in this game somehow. I got to get in this game. So it was our turn. We, we just scored. So we're kicking the ball off. Right. So um, the dude um, who I have the matching uniform of, I have the matching number of our best player, captain of our team. He's on the kickoff team. So I go up to him. I go, Hey man, can I run down on the kickoff team for you? He goes, you can't go on the kickoff team for me. The coaches will kill me. I said, dude, you're the captain of our team. They can't do anything to you. You're our best player. So he starts laughing. He goes, I'll do, I'll do it. You run down on the kickoff team for me. We're wearing the same number. No one's going to tell the difference. So I do. I run down on the kickoff team, scared to death. Shouldn't probably be on that field. I'm running down. I dive over the wedge. Remember back in those days, you guys, in the 70s and 80s, they had a wedge. It's illegal now, but these biggest dudes on the other team all lock arms like they're getting married, and they form a wedge, you know, to create a, uh, a, uh, to, to create a wedge to create a space for the, for the uh, returner, the kick returner, to run for a touchdown. So I see this wedge. I, I just close my eyes. I jump over the wedge. I'm too f- afraid to break it up like you're supposed to. And I land right on the ball carry, hit him right in the chest and knock him flat. Crowd goes crazy. Crowd stands up, all like 14 of them. And my parents are standing up screaming. And I stand up like, yeah. And over the loudspeaker, I hear them say that the tackle was made by the dude who's the captain of our team, not me. Because that's the number they had in the program. The, the part I didn't tell you guys was, is the guy who was the captain of this team, Daryl was his first name, was a 250-pound black man. <laughs> so, so I'm a 145 little white dude. And so I run off the field. They take away, uh, I think they're going to take away my uniform. I think they're going to kick me out of school. So, but I just went back to practice on that Monday. I walked in and there was a brand new varsity uniform in my locker. And, you know, up to that point, you know, four years later, I'm one of the top safeties taken in the 1984 NFL draft. Right. So it worked out, but what it takes for your dreams to work out isn't always the most reasonable actions that you must take, you know? But if you stick with them and you stay loyal to the things that I've been loyal to over my life, which is my dreams, hmm. um, they, I, what I've learned is that they come true. And, and, there's no, and there's no negotiating. Like, they come true. It's not like they, they come true like 89% of the time. No, they come true because you're loyal to them and you just never stop, which is why you know, the title of the book is there's no plan B mm-hmm. for your A game because okay. most people have an option. They have a plan B in case plan A doesn't, doesn't work out. Well, I have found out that that really doesn't work out at all. Plan, you might as well just plan for plan B That's to work so out true. because plan A is gone. Hey, so let me ask you this question. Have you ever spent hours and hours searching that perfect gift for a man, for your husband, for your father, Father's Day? Uh, I mean, looking for a gift for me, obviously. Well, hey, look no further. Here it is. Lux. LiveLux.com. Check it out. These boxes are curated, customly curated perfectly 
for the man in your life. You can choose a plan between quarterly or annual, annually. You're getting this box that you get to pick from these awesome technology, sports brands, nutrition, everything that the guy in your life is interested in. And I could curate my perfect box for you if you want to get me a gift, please do. It's coming to your door and you can change this continuously. This is at Live lux.com that's live l-i-v-e lux with two e's l-u-x-e-e.com check it out the brands they have on there are phenomenal it's the perfect gift and you can get 25 percent off with david 25 25 off a box the greatest gift hey it's a love language gift giving and receiving is a love language trust me i know it's one of my wife's highest love languages but check it out the discount code David25 for 25% off. And quit giving Starbucks gift cards and step up your gift giving game. Oh, man, no negotiating to your dreams. Like, think about this. If you would have just let someone and those guys say, hey, well, you're not on the team. You won't make it here. You're not where you're at right now. But, but most people no. will allow somebody else to have that authority over them when it doesn't even make sense. I'm a firm believer like you. Like, if you have a dream, you can absolutely do it. And you're you're living proof of it. So crazy. Like, all right, you might think, all right, man, wow, incredible story. He makes it and he's an NFL, NFL star and for the Houston Oilers. And but then you're not done. Man, so after the NFL, you pivot and then the craziest of crazy things, like, hey, I'm going to go make my own Broadway play. What is going through your mind, Bo? Can I unpack your mind on like <laughs> What do you what what is different in you that you're like, I can absolutely do this? And, and what steps do you take and go on to develop this runt of the litter, amazing Broadway play? Yeah, only because I, I it, it, it goes right back to my dad. Right. So my dad was a cowboy cattleman, you know, salt of the earth kind of guy, gruff, rough, no nonsense cussed every sentence had a cuss word in every sentence <laughs> you know so you can imagine yeah. but at the same time so pure so clear on life and death so clear mm. on dreams and the protection of those dreams nice so he woke i have i'm the youngest of six kids so i have four older sisters and one older brother he woke us up every morning at 5 a.m. Because when you live on a ranch and with a lot of cattle and a lot of animals, you wake up early. Um, and he would woke, wake us all up one at a time by coming into our room. Our, the girls, three of the girls shared a room, and then one of the girls was alone, and then me and my brother shared a room. So he would come into those three rooms, and I could hear him coming down the hall every morning of my life. And rub our, he'd pull back the covers, he'd rub our backs, kind of rough, you know, because he had some dirty ass hands and all full of, you know, calluses. And he would rub our backs and he would, he would wake us up. That's how he'd wake us up. And he would say, keep moving, partner. Keep moving. You're the best in there. And then he would drop some expletives <laughs> right about there. And so... For years, imagine, I don't leave my home until I'm 18 and go to UC Davis. I heard that every day for 18 years. Even when my wife and I had little kids, we, you know, years ago when my dad was still alive, we would go there for Christmas or whatever, and he wouldn't come in at that point and wake me up because my wife was next to me, but he would wait for me to come out and have some coffee, right? And he would hold me. He would just like 
roughly hold me. And by this time, I'm like a foot taller than him. And he would hold my brother, who's like six five, and you know, foot and a half taller than him. And he would rub our backs really rough and cuss at us and tell us we were the best. Man. So at some point, me and my brother just surrendered to the fact because yeah. it was it was a point of contention for many years, going on dates, playing little league, and not being the best. And my dad screaming at us that we were the best through the back, the chain link backstop. You're the best. I, Dad, I just struck out. You're God, you're the best. <laughs> and I'm like, and so everybody thinks he's nuts, right? But at one point, me and my brother just kind of, and I think surrender is the right word, yeah, surrendered surrender. to what he saw in us. Mm. He saw something we 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 that we probably couldn't see for ourselves. You know, he saw our greatness. That was hard for us to see, even though we thought we were pretty darn good athletes. And so we, 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 we said, you know what? Maybe he's right. Maybe he's right. Maybe we are the best. And, you know, as it turns out, you know, we, we were. Like, he's a top quarterback in the, in the best quarterback class there's ever been. Like, John Elway, Dan Marino, my brother, Jim Kelly. Right. Wow. All of them went in the first round in 1983. All wow. of those quarterbacks went in the first round. That's the greatest quarterback class there's ever been, you guys. And my brother was one of them, right? And I went in 1984. I'm a year younger than my brother. And that best safety thing, that, that, that dream that I had, that actually came true when every day for 20 years leading up to me being the best didn't look like it was ever going to happen. And... You know what, David? If I can just tell, if I can just tell, you know, the people watching right now, just what because a lot of people go, hey, hey, Bo, hey, man, you know, how are you able? Because the original question was, how do you pivot from that place? Because being the best, what you know, that was a safety, that was a quarterback. So being the best in those fields is one thing, but being the best playwright and being the best stage performer in the world, those are those are. 180 degrees the opposite direction. But here's what I noticed about being the best. The principles remain the same despite the occupation. Hmm. So if you want to be the best writer, you get to be it because you know the principles. Because I know the principles of being the best safety. So the next dream, the next the pivot was to be the best playwright in the world, the best stage performer in the world. Right, so there was a lot of I'd never done it, David. So there was a lot of dudes and a lot of gals that were way ahead of me. But you know what I had that they didn't have? I knew what it took to be the best at a thing, and they didn't. Now Al Pacino did, and so I went and saw him, and I said, Al Pacino, everyone says you're the best stage performer of our time. I want you to tell me how to do that. You tell me what I got to do. He goes, Bo, I can tell you how to do it. But that's going to take like 15 years. I go, that's fantastic because I work great in those kind of timelines. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> right? So he drew that up for me. And I just followed it. And, you know, on opening night in New York City, Al Pacino was sitting in row five. Man. You know, and he was the best stage performer of our time. And I wanted that mantle. And so I knew the principles of what it took to be the best safety 
So I use them to be the best stage performer and I use them to be the best playwright because I certainly didn't know how to write. I couldn't spell, I didn't own a computer. I knew there was, you know, there was Shakespeare to compete with. You know, there was Arthur Miller to compete with. There was Eugene O'Neill to compete with, right? And here I am saying to myself, no, no. I know the principles of the best. I'll follow the same principles. It might take me some years, but it's still the same principles. And let me just give you the first one. Let me yes, just give you that's one what I was guys. dying to ask, and the audience yeah. wants to know. Give us some principles, baby. Yeah, because I th- I'm sure a lot of you right now are going like this. I bet a lot of you are saying this, because this is what everybody says to me. Well, Bo, I'm tired. That's how, <laughs> you know, like, hey, Bo, man, the best? That sounds like a lot of work. Well, it is, but it's not the work you think it is. The the first tip I'll give you about your declaration, so this thing, right? Mm -hmm. So if I would have said when I was nine, um, I want to be a mediocre safety in 20 years, or I want to be the 150th best safety in the world in 20 years, guess what I would have been? Exactly what I would have said. I would have been that. I wouldn't have been the best. I would have been 150th or whatever I the dream was. Most of you, I'm going to save you a lot of energy right now, all of you. I'm going to save you all this. Bo, I'm too tired to be the best in the world at something. It's because you're not playing a big enough game. Uh, yeah. You're playing a, a mediocre game. Because that's all the news media promotes. That's all the publishing world promotes. That's all Hollywood promotes. That's mostly what everybody in the world promotes is kind of mediocre instead of the best. So people then end up, you might, some of you might be fathers or mothers. Your kids end up playing a, a small, small game. Like I just want to be a, I want to start on my high school basketball team i want to be a you know c plus student yeah yeah so you're not they don't play a big enough game you've got to play the ultimate game otherwise guess what you're going to be distracted and that mediocre dream you have that mediocre game that you're playing that's actually going to come true and that's the bad news so i'm asking you to play a bigger game to get rid of all else to get rid of all these distractions, all these video games, all these politics, all these news stations, all this, all this world that's having you play a mediocre game, we're getting rid of it. So you have plenty of energy and loyalty to the thing you should have energy for and loyalty for, which is your declaration or your dream. Um, David, if you don't mind, I will give them something right now that'll help yes. them with that. Yes, please. Is that please. cool? Yeah, I'm taking it too, man. Yeah, what is it? Okay. Yeah. So just text me. Text me. Text this. Text be the best. Text be the best. And here's the number. 323 310 Five five zero four. Text be the best to three two three three one zero five five zero four. I'm going to send you a guide. 
here. That's amazing. Seven ways. It's a simple, easy guide, but it'll get you focused on what you need to be focused on, uh, which is playing a bigger game. It'll give you a, a free guide to seven ways to play a bigger game. Because listen, if you're working with me or if you're working with David, guess what we're going to demand of you? That you play the ultimate game because only then do I know what I have in front of me. That's why I don't, I don't play these. You know how people go, well, make a goal, Bo. Make a goal that's achievable. And I'm like, well, being the best safety in the world, being the best playwright in the world, being the best stage pro, is that achievable? I don't think so. So that's the one I choose because if it's achievable, what is that demanding of this human instrument that we have right here? It's demanding nothing. Totally. You and me, you think about your life. Think about the day of your conception. Think, think, think of the day of your conception. You, here's, here's, here's the competitive spirit that you have. On the day of your conception, 300 million sperm were delivered, right? All with a million years of design and evolution have taught 300, and 300 million sperm to do one thing. What is that one thing? Got to get to the egg. You got to get to that egg. You got to <laughs> win the, the race. race. So ask yourself this question. Do you want increased energy, more endurance and recovery, metabolic health off the charts, mental clarity throughout the day, weight management and longevity? Yeah, I think you answered yes to every one of those if you listen to this. And this is one of those things, if you know, you know, and that's ketones. Ketone IQ from HVMN. Check it out, hvmn.com. Ketones literally are this fuel for the body which takes you to another level. I mean, it's it's boosting clean energy. It's not, you don't get the crashes. Your ketone levels are up for six hours. It's effective, safe, FDA approved. I mean, it's not, it's nothing that is going to hurt the body, but it's everything that's going to improve the body for killer workouts, for long runs. If you've got a big meeting coming up, I take sips of this before big talks, before I want to get in the zone to write books, before every workout, it is incredible. And HVMN is offering you as a listener 10% off with the code David at checkout, hvmn.com. Try this. I, I, I mean, this is mind-blowing on the amount of energy you will have and just how good you will feel in a natural, healthy way. So check it out, hvmn.com. This is Ketone IQ, code David for 10% off and go crush your workout and life. You have to penetrate that egg and fertilize that egg. Now, do you think that was a casual swim? No. That, do you think there were ribbons given out for second place? No. So that was a swim to the death. And guess who won against 300 million to one odds? You did. So I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear you can't achieve this ultimate game, that you can't achieve your ultimate dream. It's You've proven it already. You've proved it in the first race that you entered. And I bet you... Your, your potential brothers and sisters were competitive just like you. I bet they weren't doing the backstroke. I bet they were 
elbowing you. I bet they were trying to win that sucker and swimming their ass off. And you still beat them. And so that's your makeup. So why should we now be born into this world and start reducing our dreams and start going, you know what, Bo? I don't think number one is for me. I think, you know, I prefer the middle. I prefer, you know, back. It's so listen to me. It's David, one thing, and then I'll pause and I'll let you just go because listen, because this, this pisses me off (laughs) because look, it's, it's the funny part about what I'm trying to tell you guys to be. You already are. I'm asking you to be this thing, which is number one. You already are way before you met me. It was way back uh, on the day of your conception. And I'm going to tell you one thing. For those of you who are tired, for you, those of you who don't think you have the wherewithal to, to bring these dreams into existence, it actually uses less energy and effort to be the best than to be mediocre. Mm. Because being mediocre takes a lot of energy. You know why? Because it's not in your DNA. It's not how you're made. You're not, you and me are not made that way. So of course you're tired because you're trying to fit in into some cubicle that you don't fit into. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so now I'm giving you your energy back by saying no. Be loyal to the thing you, you, you're, you're loyal to to begin with, which is your birthright, which is your declaration, which is your dream instead of everyone else's dream. And start, you know, being a fan of their dreams. Be a fan of your own damn dream and play it out and see what happens. And don't have any options for yourself. If you have no options, guess what happens? The first option happens. Okay, David, I'll pause it right there. Sorry, man. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't ever be. That was the most impactful 10 minutes I've ever had on this podcast. You got me fired. Like, think about that. I've never thought of that. Literally, we won the race of the sperm. Like, we've already won this incredible race. I think people get caught up as this. If there's expectations placed upon them, then they feel the pressure. If there's expectations that, oh, you can be this great, like, oh, no, I don't know. The doubt that we live in, man, you just literally – you shatter a word that I speak about that I hear so much in NBA circles, potential. Potential is a bunch of BS. Potential is exactly what you decided to be, not what others decided to be. And you speak to that, man. And you speak. Hey, we talk about being the best. I'm with our, our mutual friend Cody Foster giving a talk to his company, and I ask him, like, he's been around the best speakers in the world, like the Tony Robbins, everybody. I'm like, Cody, who's, who's the best speaker you've been around? Without hesitation, he says, Bo Eason, by far. So you've even mastered being the best speaker, man. And, and I'm going to come learn from you. You have an incredible workshop where you're teaching the top, with the top movement, the top stage performances. Can you talk on that a little bit about what's like the next big thing on your plate? And I know this is one of, of the many that we could talk about. Yeah, this is big. And David and I were having this conversation, I think it was yesterday, because <clears throat> I really want him to share the stage with me for these three days to train him and other people. And we take a small group, like about a hundred people. So it's not like a gigantic event because we have to get our hands on you. Right. Because that's how I was trained to be a, a, a stage performer, a speaker, a presenter, a coach who has to be either on camera or has to be on a stage. 
that is presenting. Now, all of you in your businesses, you might be saying right now, like, oh, Bo, I don't public speak or I'm not a speaker. Yeah, you are. Do you speak in public? Then you're a public speaker. Are you the face and the, and the mouth and the, the brand of, of your company? Yeah, you are. And the, the better you are at presenting yourself is the more people that are going to work with you. And that's how you're going to grow your business. That's also how you're going to get married. That's also how you're going to build your family. It's all based on story. So I have an event um, and we'll put the link in the, in the uh, uh, yep. chat, David, but I'll give it to you guys. It's boeason.com. That's my name, boeason.com forward slash May event. The month of May, May event. Boeason.com forward slash May event. It's three days where you're going to be on your feet, right? And you're going to capture your signature story, much like I do on stage. I tell a story so that I can have trust and intimacy with an audience. And then I train them, which, you know, we'll teach you that too. But the key to the kingdom really about speaking guys and gals is physicality. It's it's the most important thing of performance in front of other people, whether you're an actor, a musician, a CEO, a basketball player, an athlete of some kind, a gymnast, a ballet dancer. The key to the kingdom for all performance is physicality. Shakespeare called it gravitas, meaning weight, weight, body language. I always know who's going to win a Super Bowl by the body language of the quarterback. I always know who's going to win a fight by the body language of the fighters. I always know when I'm in good hands, like say a speaker comes on stage and I'm sitting in the audience. <clears throat> I know when I'm in good hands, you know how, how by their physicality, by their physicality. So same is true of how you pick your doctor how you pick your therapist, how you pick your financial advisor, you pick them based on their prowess, their predatory nature, if you will. I know that sounds, I know that's a bad word these days. I don't mean it right. how the news media right. talks about predatory or predators and stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about nobility. I'm talking about lions. Mm. I'm talking about cheetahs. I'm talking about great white sharks. No different than a guy like Tom Brady. That those, those are all predatory animals. Your wives are predatory animals, especially if they have kids. Ladies, if you're watching, this may sound masculine to you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your ability to protect your children. That is a predatory instinct that I, that my guy, my movement coach, brings to my event. He actually brings that to our event. He's the guy who trained me to do it. He's also the guy who trains Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, if you see an Academy Award winner, that's who he trains. Musicians, athletes, anybody who needs, you need to pay attention to, that's who he trains. So that's, I bring him into my events, David. That's why I want you to, I want you oh, to I'm be coming. there. I want you to come. I'm coming, man. And I, dude, I yeah. Mean, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry to cut you off there. So we match the story, the writing of your personal story with the physicality mm. of that story. We put molecules to words. And that is the key 
to any kind of successful performance. And then we, uh, on the third day, we show you how to make money, which you, you, you probably don't know the value of your story. I do. <laughs> I do. Your, you, my story saved my ass, you guys. It saved my ass. I didn't know how I was going to make money after I left the NFL. I made money by hurting people. I made money by knocking people's teeth out. I was the best safety in that league, the most dangerous dude on the planet. And I could not make any money. I, you know, the best occupation for me after that was over was prison. Right. <laughs> so I met this guy. He trained, right? Yeah. He trained me to, to put, turn all this TNT that was inside my body. I'm sure a lot of you are feeling that today. All this TNT that's inside these instruments that we carry around. If we can't put that in the right place, we're going to hurt ourselves or hurt people. We put that in your story, in your stage presence. You watch how you grow your business once that happens. You watch how you become super attractive to everybody around you because of that. And the guy who trains me, and I often say this to my clients, David, and I'll say it to you guys today. Um, if I put a lion on a stage in front of people, in front of this hundred people at the event, in front of you, if I put a lion up on that stage, what are you going to do? You know what? Think about what you would do if I put a lion, no cage around him, a lion or a cheetah. On a stage, what would you do? Think about that. Yeah. You know what you would do? Nothing. You would not breathe until the lion breathed. You would not move a muscle until the lion said it was okay. You would not go to the bathroom. You would not open a candy. You would not look at your watch. You would not look at your phone. That's my promise when I train people for the stage and for the camera, because I only promise it because that's what I was promised. And that's how I was trained. And I'm telling you, once you do that kind of work, people can't look away. No different than you're a predatory, uh, a predator cat that they can't look away from. Human beings are much more dangerous than lions. We just don't know it. We're walking around apologizing all the time. Anyway, I know I've gone long-winded no, on that. This is incredible, and this is perfect. It's perfect way to wrap it up, because this like a, a, when I talk about storytelling, we talk about impact, we talk about selling. Like this is everything encompassed as one. And I study yep. you as a storyteller. I study you as move. When I watched your video, your hour-long talk, I kid you not, it was like five minutes. I could not move. Like it's that powerful. I, I, Seriously, Bo, how can we how can we follow everything that you do? How can we basically stalk you? We want to come to get everybody down to this event for sure. Uh, but how can we just follow everything yeah. Bo Eason does? Yeah, but yeah, well, the, the website boeason.com, that's really simple. It's my name, boeason.com. All the th events are on there. Um, I, 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 if you guys have the have the wherewithal to 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 spend three days with somebody, those are valuable for the rest of your life because you're going to be telling your story and physically and growing your business all at the same time. So uh, that's how they can get a hold of me. Uh, um, and it's just, I love talking to groups like this, David, because I know their makeup based on being your podcast, you know, like 
you know, all of us on this podcast right now, like I bet you all of us, because I know I can feel it. I know that sounds weird, but I do feel these things. Um, we're just all kind of unreasonable, which is really what it takes. You have to be completely unreasonable. Like people got to go to you, hey man, you're like completely unreasonable about your <laughs> dreams, about what's uh, what's possible and what's not, not possible. And I'm going, yeah, thanks for that. Um, I won't be hanging out with you anymore, but you know, it's nice to know. And it is, it's true. It is the, re the reason people say, hey, it's lonely at the top because to be the best, you have to eliminate all else. Uh, think about that. You have to eliminate all else to be the to win the gold medal. Oh, that's it. You really do, and it's and it's kind of lonely. It's kind of like, wow, this is weird. But when you do win that gold medal, when you are at the top, you're with people like us, like this whole group that's on this podcast right now, thinking in this way. And all you needed today was just to be reminded of who you actually already are. Exactly. Cool. So, man, drop the mic on that, Bo. Dude, that's incredible. Thank you, <laughs> Bo Eason, for gracing us with your presence. Man, you are the best at being the best. Thank you, brother. Thanks, David. Bo, dude, that was perfect. Dude, like, I, the battery's, like, really close to dying because we had to 